Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Luke chapter 10 this morning. We are continuing in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, uh, where we keep in mind that our the fruit of the Spirit is our reaction to the action of God towards us in Jesus. And today, we're going to look at a passage that uh, we're pretty familiar with, but we may have never thought of it beyond uh, just what seems there on the peripheral. Let me read this to us from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. If you've got your Bibles, that's a great place to be since that's where we're at. While they were traveling, he he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about so many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. She has chosen the good portion. And it will not be taken away from her. Whenever I have dealt with this text in my own life, I have always read it from the perspective of you have two people and one of them has it all together and the other person wants to sit and have a conversation with the guest who happens to be there. It reminds me a lot of of my home. I don't know how your home works, but if there is a situation where people are coming to our house, there is uh, of the people who were married in my home, uh, we have some singles running around, but of the people who are married in my home, there is one person who has everything together, and then there is me. When you spend time there, for instance, at Christmas last year, we had a Christmas party for our elders and deacons. It was a real barn burner. And as we gathered together, Hope was putting everything in its place to set up for the party. She had a photo booth. She had places where she wanted everything to be laid out on the counter. She knew what she wanted and who she wanted to sit where. She had an idea as to everything. And I basically showed up with, in my mind, all that we need really is some ice from Bucky's. If this party's really fancy, we'll get the ice from Sonic. Uh, And I'll grab a bag of Doritos and we will have some beef jerky and we will throw a party. That's what is in my mind when I come to a passage like this. You've got one person who has it all together and you have another person who doesn't really have it all together but she seems to be doing something important because she's sitting there talking to Jesus. So Jesus corrects the person who has it all together and doesn't have anything to say to a person who seems to be ignoring all of the tasks that are at hand. And Jesus actually says at the very end of the passage, your sister Mary has chosen the good portion. She's made the better choice. So what is it that makes this the better choice? What is it about what Mary is doing that makes it so good? We read this passage, if we are not careful, where we have one busybody 
who is trying to make the other person move and do things that they cannot do on their own or that they do not want to do on their own. And the other character in the story, aside from Jesus, is a young girl who has a flighty crush on this Messiah who's coming through town. But that's not what this passage teaches. This passage is not about domestication. It's about discipleship. So when we read a text like this, we, we have to keep in mind what's taken place before it, what's taken place after, what is going to take place after it, but what leads us to where we are in this text. I found it interesting that when you look into Luke chapter 10, you get to this passage about goodness. It follows a passage where we are given what is called the, the Great Commandment. We actually spent some time there last week where a man says to Jesus, Hey, what's the law? And Jesus, well, you know what the law is. You tell me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He then gives us the story of the Good Samaritan, followed by this story about what the good portion is. It's an acrostic. It's a chiastic is actually what it's called when you look through the Scripture. It follows the pattern of A-B-B-A, like Abba Father or Abba, the Swedish rock band from the 70s. You have that laid out for us where you have love the Lord your God. That would be your A. Well, where do we see the idea of loving the Lord your God in these 17, 20, 18 verses? You see it when we find that the good portion is for this sister to choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. What's the B? The B would be the good, to love your neighbor as yourself, followed by that good Samaritan story. It's the idea of action. It's the idea of displaying our care for our neighbor. So we read through this text and we see we have come to the end of that idea. Before you ever get to the Good Samaritan passage, you have Jesus sending out 72 people into the highways and byways and casting out demons. It's a pretty unique story in Luke chapter 10. So you have Jesus who is at the peak of his popularity walking into a town and he goes to the home of Mary and Martha who live in Bethany. So, we read this story about this Jesus who we know and who we claim to love. And I've got some things that I want just to point out for us in the room. Gentlemen, if you're here and you are like me, you have often detached yourself from this story because it's not about men. Heaven help us if the Bible would ever give us a story where women are the central characters. But when you read through this, we can't miss what God's saying to us. It's almost like at my house. When my kids are watching television, I've got three boys and one girl. She's got the personality of three girls, but just one girl. And when they're choosing movies to watch at our house, there is always this tension. If you are a parent who has a boy and a girl, you know what that tension is. That's a boy show. That's a girl show. And in saying this, we are saying that this has nothing to do with me. And subconsciously, we almost treat this text in that way. That God doesn't have anything to say to me about what's happening here because I don't happen to be the gender of the two characters that Jesus is interacting with. That is a poor view of the Bible. It's a poor view of Scripture. It's a poor view of what Jesus says to us here. Because this passage is not about who makes the kitchen what it needs to be. This passage is about how, to, how we are to effectively be disciples of Jesus. 
Jesus, at this point, we know coming off, this, this sending out the 72, they've just come back to him. More, often, more than likely, Jesus has rolled into Bethany from Jerusalem, and he has 72 people with him who were the sent out. He also has the 12 disciples who are with him everywhere because he can't let them go anywhere by themselves. They do and say dumb things all of the time, which gives me lots of hope. There are also the hangers-on who would be attaching themselves to Jesus. Jesus is the superest of superstars when he gets to Bethany. They would be chanting and cheering, Give me a J. J, you've got your J. Give me an Jesus. Jesus, you've got your E. Jesus, you say Christ. Jesus, Christ, Jesus. They love Jesus. There's a spiritual element to Jesus. Not only is there a spiritual element to Jesus, because this, these people were looking for a Messiah, a Savior of the world, there is a political element to Jesus. They would be wanting someone to pass out, make Israel great again hats. There is also a sensational element to Jesus. When's he going to do the next trick? So you have this crew rolling in to Bethany. This crew showing up at the home of Mary and Martha. Jesus has just shown up with a squad, and if we learn anything about Jesus from other places in the Scripture, He kind of tries to get away from them sometimes. He gets in the boat to take a nap. But they show up at Bethany, and when they get there, you have a lady named Martha who is the host? So again, verse 38. Now, as we'll just line up the three people in the text. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Just to give you uh, three uh, understandings of these names, the name Martha means lady of the house. If you'll notice, there's no husband mentioned here. At this point in the history of the uh, people and and, in the world that Jesus lived in and the people he interacted with. uh, Most believe that Martha is around the age of 30 and she is unmarried. You were getting married around the age of 16. You also have Mary. The name Martha means lady of the house. I have in parentheses boss there, and I don't mean that in a bad way. She's just in charge. We see that with her. We also see Mary. Her name means beloved. It also means rebellious or wished for child. So I don't know if that's how your kids work. You have the one that you really love. And we can all just act like we don't, but we do. With the one that you really love, and they are also the rebellious, wishful child. All that works. So, And you've also got the name Bethany. It means house of the afflicted, which doesn't sound great. But but it can also mean house of figs, which is a Newton. But when you look at what figs were in the Bible this is talking about unopened ones ones that have not grown to full bloom it means house of potential so you've got these three things working here and you've got this woman Martha who is doing a unique work as she sets up for this gathering this congregation this rally for Jesus and as she sets up for the rally she, she looks around and sees that her sister has sat down at the Lord's feet and she's listening to him teach. There's a problem here. Women don't do this. Just so we're clear, now there are places in the Bible where 
she, we will see her wash the feet of Jesus. But the exact phrase for what's taking place here is the same phrase used to talk about Saul when he was learning to be a rabbi from Gamaliel. She has postured herself in a place to learn from this Jesus. She is paying attention to what Jesus says. She is interacting with what Jesus says. She is not just memorizing what this, these things that he's saying. She's taking them into her heart. That's a unique thing about following Jesus. It's not just about us hearing what he says, but, but taking those things in. Here are some phrases, though, in the world that Jesus lived in. The Pharisees from extra, from extra rabbinical teachings. Uh, these are some of the phrases. They're not the kindest things I've ever heard. The man who teaches his daughter the Torah teaches her extravagance. I don't think I would invite them to a party ever. Here's another one. May the words of the Torah be burned. They should not be handed over to a woman. Women and men only interact in two places at this point in history. When the children are out in the, in the yard playing at, at the slide. And when they're in their bedroom. Other than that, they don't interact at all. Men don't go where food is being prepared. Women are not part of men's conversations. So the scenario that we have for these two sisters is one where you have one sister setting up for the squad that Jesus has shown up with and the other is sitting there interacting with the Lord. And there is frustration there. Why would there be frustration there? There's frustration... If we look at this and think about what's taking place. Because Martha wants to be there too. However, in wanting to be there, we can look and we can see that she is distracted with many tasks. What are those many tasks as we look into this passage? What would the many tasks that Martha dealt with B. What would they include? Many tasks. Let's look there at verse 40. Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she has a question for Jesus. The word distracted means she's pulled away. She's taken away. She's drawn away from being there with Jesus because she has so many other things she has to do. She has plates spinning. She has setups going on. She's making sure as the lady of the house that everything is where it needs to be and it's functioning the way that it's supposed to function because there is no one else to be in charge of that house. Lazarus doesn't even show up in this story. Lazarus, the best thing Lazarus does that we see in the Bible is he just hangs out with Jesus. He dies and Jesus brings him back from the dead. But these sisters... These sisters that we see, one of them is doing everything she can to set up for people to be around Jesus and the other is listening to him. So you have Mary and Martha and this one who is distracted by so many tasks. How distracted are we by our various tasks? How 
drawn out and stressed out are we by the things that would pull us away from being able to be in the presence of Jesus. What she's doing is not bad. She wants to be with Jesus too, but she is she has what we call tunnel vision. Where the way that we serve is the only way that we think anyone should serve. I, I, I've, all, I've always had my, my cards on the table here at, at Grace. When it comes to church things, um, most churches are heavy Martha. And I don't mean just in the, the sense of the ladies within the church. I mean the personalities who make up the regular cast and crew of a Sunday morning that you see in a church like this are heavy Martha. We have doers. And then when you look at Grace Bible, we have, we doubled down on heavy Marthas. We have lots of workers. Do you know, I, I don't have to do very much to get someone to help me do things here. Which is helpful because I don't know how to do anything. But we have people that we can call incredibly quickly. I remember in one of my very first conversations about moving here, uh, one person let me know, if you ever need anything built, we have a church full of engineers and they can build it. She then went on to say, it will be ugly, but they can build it. <laughs> They'll have spreadsheets, it will be laid out. They all think they're architects, but they can build it. That's awesome. And, and then if, if we need something to be done, Jared and I have a list of people. We, oh, okay, we'll, we'll touch base with them. We'll get in touch with them. We have people that will do things. There's nothing wrong with doing. And this passage is not saying that there's anything wrong with doing. What we see being pointed out as the primary issue of the text is what takes place with how her heart is distracted and took away, taken away from the better thing. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I love that, and we should love that. If only in our anxiety people would talk to us like that. She has literally gone into a room where Jesus is having conversation for the sake of discipleship. She has pulled him out of that conversation. Right? She has pulled him out of that conversation to tell him that her sister is choosing the wrong thing. And we have always, for me, as someone who spent a little bit of my life reading through this text, I've never, it's never hit me that the sister, Martha, says about Mary, do you not really, she left me. What does that say about what Mary was doing to begin with? She had been helping until the opportunity to sit and talk to Jesus was there. She was spinning everything, making everything line up. And when Jesus got there, she sat down with him. Martha, Martha, you're anxious. And you're troubled about many things. I pointed out a couple of weeks ago in reference to this passage... When it says that she's troubled about many things, that word for troubled means you are torn into pieces. Do you ever feel like that? Like in your own life, with everything that you have going on, with every plate that you spin, with every 
uh, trip that you take, with every practice that you go to, with everything that you do, do you ever feel torn into pieces? Do you ever feel divided? Do you ever feel like you can't get over the hump of this? Jesus is saying to her, Martha, you, you want to be done with all of your doing because you want to be in here. I don't know if this can always be said about me if I'm being completely truthful with you. If you take away being able to answer the question of what do you do with me being able to answer, if you take away what I do, then I'm pretty much done. And I think that that's the way that our society and our world functions, especially in America. Do you agree? How, if you don't agree with that, I just need to ask you, how do you introduce yourself? My name is Chad. I'm a pastor. My name is Jared. I'm a pastor. My name is blank. My name is the rest of you. I work at Dow. My name is... We answer the question of how we are doing with what we do not with what's actually taking place in our hearts and souls. How are you doing? If I were to take that away, whatever that thing is that you do, what's left? Because you've got Martha torn into pieces, going multiple directions, and Jesus stops her and he lets her know, Martha, Martha, you are going in so many different ways. But one thing's necessary. Mary is a good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. What's the good portion? What? The good portion that we see that we can't ignore if we're not careful is that women are welcome students of the Bible. God invites you to interact with Him. I love having conversations with Hope when we talk about Scriptures and she disagrees with me. My, my ears perk up like a German shepherd uh, immediately like, wait a second, I'm a pastor. Do you know I'm a professional Christian? <laughs> but then as the conversation plays out, you realize that God's not called her, even though she is my wife, to receive the Bible from me as if I'm just a funnel for it. God, when He talks to us about what it means to follow Him and what it means to trust Him and what it means to believe in Him and to have faith in Him and to find wholeness in Him and to be put back together by Him, He does not expect men to lord over women or women to lord over men. Because though we call ourselves, the word's complementarian, lots of the time we, we reverse, we function uncomfortably in our homes where someone's lording over the other. Someone's leading the other. And in many situations, we see men taking a passive place, like Genesis 3 style, as women give them direction as to what they're to do. God's not called us to that either. God's called all of us in relation to who we are because of Him to learn from Him. 
And there is scriptural direction for how the family is to function. But this passage in particular is saying to us, it is important for us to be disciples of Jesus. To sit at his feet and to hear from him. To interact with him and to not allow our busyness to overshadow who he actually is. What are we doing as we interact with Jesus? Women are students of the Bible. So don't miss this though. Jesus was saying and he was commending women 2,000 years ago in the Middle East for sitting and listening to him teach. He wants them to study the Bible. He wants them to hear from him. He wants them to hear the Bible taught. And the idea that my husband will explain it to me, that is silly because that's saying that you need someone to help you know Jesus better. You don't need a great high priest. You've got, you are a priest. Every believer in this room before Jesus. So Jesus is saying that there is a good portion in this text. There is a better portion for us to choose. And that better portion is this. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Godly people choose the good portion by going to Jesus in his word. And Jesus says to us that that good portion will not be taken away. What Amy read earlier from Isaiah, the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of God will stand forever. Look, in all of our doing, in all of our business, in all of our distracted Martha-ness, and there's Martha in every one of us, as we scatter about and go every direction, do we realize that one day we will retire? For me, I'll be 87. One day we will be old. Our house will not be what it is and our grass won't grow the way that we think it should. And those flowers that we used to be able to get to grow up, they won't grow anymore. One day everything about our lives will decay and corrode. But there is one thing that will not. The only thing that won't is the word of the Lord communicated to us. Don't miss at the busyness of good things. I don't believe that any of us would look at anything that Martha does in these five short verses and we would say, that's bad. Jesus doesn't say it's bad. He just says there's better. So, man, get your kid to the stuff they need to get to. And make sure that you're actively engaging with your family and friends in your community. Make sure that the things that you do are helpful and good. But don't be busy in the good things and miss the better thing that God has given us in Jesus. Think about all of the things that we consider in our minds when we think about good. And how most of those are shaped by the way that Western culture decides they should be shaped. It is good for you to provide for your family, not at the expense of you spending time with Jesus. It is good for us to work hard, to be courteous, to be nice, to be friendly, to be polite, to call adults Mr. and Mrs. like we're driving Miss Daisy. All of these things are good. But the better portion, we cannot miss. Martha has missed the better portion as she walks back and forth and she sees her sister there right in the midst of Jesus. And if we're just being truthful, seeing people like that makes us a little envious and it also makes us a little uncomfortable. 
Because the people in my life who spend the most time with Jesus, I'm either frustrated with them or I want to be them. Well, does Martha get there? Does Martha ever get to the place where she sees and she knows the good portion, where the good portion is something that she understands and grasps? Absolutely she does. If you have your Bibles, you do, I think. John chapter... We see in John chapter 11 at the funeral of the earlier. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, we mentioned that earlier, two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and she met him. Still got a little bit of that in her, right? He's coming, I'm going. I'm in my black, I'm going. But Mary remained seated in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother is going to rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this. And I love it. Verse 27, you have two testimonies as to who Jesus is in the, in the gospel accounts where we say that he is more than everyone happens to be seeing him as. They all wanted a political leader. Yeah. They, they all, some of them wanted a spiritual leader, for sure. Everyone loved the signs and the wonders. But you've got two people who get corrected at different points in the Bible who say something to this effect. Peter says it in Matthew chapter 16, and Martha says it here. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Everything else that we have been looking for as good, the political revolutionary, the, the rabbinic teacher, all of these things, you're better than that. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. There came a place for her where she got what the good portion is. Where she got what it meant to sit at the feet of Jesus. And maybe not in the physical sense, but in the considering who he is sense. And that impacted and affected her. Where she wasn't too busy to see Jesus as the things that Jesus is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads, but don't close your eyes. And I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to open to Psalm 1. And we're going to sit here for a few minutes. I asked three questions earlier. Your Bible's in Psalm 1. Hopefully you've got something to write with or an app to take notes in. Those three questions, whatever I write on the worship guide, is usually what frames for us the passage we've walked through. That's not the case today. The, what we have in those three questions today is what I want you to do. I want you to start reading Psalm 1. And in whatever way you can, if you could distract yourself from your distractions for the sake of looking at this text. If the roast burns, it's burned before. 
They got all the chips at El Toro. They'll still be there. And with those three questions in mind, I want you to read Psalm 1. Feel free to keep working, but I know the overachievers in this room. If you have completed Psalm 1 and those three questions, I want you to read Psalm 2 with the same questions. Psalm 3. Psalm 4.
There are 150. We're not going through them all. But when we seek the good, it becomes painfully and obvious to us how divided we are. And how in seeking after the good, who is Jesus, who is more than a religious leader, who is more than a political revolutionary, that we find wholeness in him. Mary had realized what Martha missed in Luke 10. That there are more important things than the things that cause us to be scattered and divided. I pray that for us. Bow your heads and I want to invite you to close your eyes even now. In just a moment we are going to sing and that's, that's good. But before we begin to set the background for your singing, could I invite you to posture your body to, in a way, whether it's kneeling or just with a simple hand extended, maybe a hand in the air, and worship Jesus who is constantly revealed as good in these passages. The anointed king. The one who delivers us, our shield and defender, our protector. Before we sing together corporately, can you interact with him intimately this morning? As the one who you learn from and the one who you lean into. Let's do that. Again, posturing ourselves in whatever way to ask the Lord. Show me what it means to, to know good and do good and be good because I, I've met you who is the essence of all goodness. After you've interacted with him for a few moments, we'll sing. And if I'm needed, if you need me, I'm in the back corner of the room where I typically am. We love you guys. We're thankful for God and his goodness this morning.